0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Want natural, healthy looking shine and voluminous curls
1: and waves that make you look like you just stepped out of a salon? It's easy with Conair Jumbo and Super Jumbo Hot Rollers. These 12 ceramic flocked rollers heat up in just 85 seconds, and because they're infused with ceramic, they transfer heat evenly for big, bouncy, long lasting curls. Twice the flocking of competitive products means more heat protection. Wire clips ensure a
0: secure hold. Makes a great gift for yourself or someone special. Go to conair.com for jumbo and super jumbo hot rollers now. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanze vor Freude. Über den Asphalt, als er sein Radmus als sein seined dasss mich immer weiter durch die Straßen sieht
2: entgegen Hello and welcome to Gagen Pressing, the German football Podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and instead of doing all the uh, match day results, because we have had an English week, so that means midweek games and then the normal weekend games, I'm not going to run through them all. You can Google them. But joining myself, um, as always, is the Football Grad uh, Network uh, creator, Manu Vet. Manu, how have you been? How's your week been? Oh
1: man, Bryce, I had a, had a crazy week, so I guess it's public knowledge now I will be joining um, Transfermarkt. As the
2: congratulations, yeah, mate.
1: thank you very much. Yeah, as the uh, new area manager for the US market, it's an exciting project. We're expanding in the United States, and um, you know, I still get to do a lot of European content, but also, of course, major league soccer, which I've done in the past for Pro Soccer USA. I still get to write for Forbes, so I'm still going to do plenty of Bundesliga coverage for them as well. And uh, I get to continue these podcasts. Um, that's a question that I've been asked a lot. Um, whether we're still going to continue these podcasts and yes we will Um they're giving me the freedom to do just that which is great Um so it's not quite and why I joined the athletic news piece but it is you know it's still exciting and um yeah I'm look, really looking forward to it so it's been a crazy week because I spent time in Hamburg but in between I went to football matches Gelsenkirchen Bremen had the time with, with Chris
2: last week as well so yeah it's been a very very busy uh, 10 days yeah, well, once again, congratulations, but I think you'll be looking forward to maybe a, a bit of a respite in the the next few days or or coming weeks, maybe. But um, joining uh, Manu and I, as always, is football journalist and Forbes
3: contributor, Chris Williams. Chris, how's your week been? Been very good. Thanks, Bryce. Yes, obviously, my congratulations go to Manu, although we've talked um, privately uh, of this a few times. So, yeah, massive congratulations. Obviously, he's worked exceptionally hard over the past, well six seven years but especially since we've been doing this podcast i think you know he's worked harder than any of us probably put together so yeah he well deserves um, the job he's got so congratulations
1: yeah thanks chris couldn't have done it without you or any of you guys so yeah
2: you know it's a teamwork effort What a nice eh? But uh, just to go back to uh, Chris, uh, I might just um, bring up, um, I don't know whether everyone's already checked this out, but uh, you you had a fantastic um, article this week on aspect ratios for viewing football, viewing Bundesliga football. What what exactly is this, Chris? I mean, it it was all the rage online a few few days ago, and I, I, I feel that we need to touch on it.
3: Um, Yeah, thanks, Bryce. So um, yeah, it it sounds like I'm about to get a little bit nerdy. Uh, Maybe I am. But uh, currently, if you watch football, it's in um, 16 by 9, which you will know as widescreen, um, which is what your TV is, um, what your PC monitor is, um, what your tablet and phone is, if you rotate it. So it's long ways. Um, the Bundesliga has been testing um, a world first. They're the first football um, or sports one to do this. I think it's the first football in the world to do it in 9 by 16 So that is portrait mode, Bryce. So if you have got the phone in your hand and you hold it normally, like you would looking at your text message or looking at Twitter, that's how you can view um, Bundesliga football, or that's how you will be able to. It's under testing at the moment. Um, and, yeah, Manu and I were in Germany last week, 10 days ago. Um, sat down with um, with the guys over at the DFL. Um, and, and yeah, they gave us a, a wonderful presentation about how they're looking to change the way football is um, not just broadcast, but really consumed. So there's a lot of people who'll be listening going, why are they doing that? And that's one of the questions that both myself and Manu asked at the time. Um, but unbelievably, and, and I didn't really appreciate this, a lot of people now use their phone um, in the way it's meant to be, the, the way it's meant to be designed, which is upright. Um, you know, thirty percent of sports fans streamed live events to their smartphones. That was a Google survey. Eighty percent of those said that they use multiple screens to watch more than one watch. So, you know, you can watch Bayern on the TV, you can have Dortmund on your tablet, and you can have, you know, um, Leipzig on your phone. So, to be able to watch it in a in a more clear way. So, if you rotate your phone, um, the, the the characters, the players, the ball, exceptionally small. It's hard to see. So, if you've got it portrait. It's a lot easier um, to view, um, but it comes with a lot of challenges. So, for example, they had to use five additional cameras, which were rotated to give the nine sixteen aspect. Um, their control room was completely different. But the beauty of it is, um, is that your smartphone is is ultra HD. So you've got an ultra HD stream there, um, and the test gone really, really well. Spoke to um, Andreas Hayden, who's the um, EVP for Digital Innovations over at the DFL. Um, yeah, and they've got some really good, exciting things. So that's over on Forbes. Um, now check it out. Um, it's all about what I do at sports business. Um, so yeah, it's on Forbes. You can Google it if you want, or you can just go onto my Twitter handle, which is Chris 78 Williams. Um, and it's pinned at the moment. It's the top one.
2: Yeah. Incredible stuff. they very interesting. I can only advise that you go over to the Forbes website and check that out or Chris's Twitter, as he just said, okay, well, let's talk football. Um, as we mentioned, and and why I didn't mention um, all of the uh, fixtures at the uh, start of the podcast, is because we have so many. And uh, an English week is um, how they would call it in Germany when they play midweek games. It's something that's not done very often, unlike in England, for example. Um, Manu, uh, when we um, go to touch on this, I mean... It seems like the Bundesliga are a bit reluctant to have midweek games. Um, I can imagine because of traveling and, and the scheduling and, and all this, they do have the uh, winter break coming up. But because they had to cram in two sets of um, match days in one week, does this suggest that there was a bit of an issue with scheduling? Or or, or why was the reason for this? Yeah, I, you know what, Bryce?
1: They had to put the the English week somewhere, I guess, or the Englische Woche, as we call it here, right? Um and usually we play in English Woche for the Pokal matches or you know Champions League, Europa League, those kind of games. Um, I have not a big issue with the English Woche normally, the midweek games. I think that every once in a while it can be exciting to have you know back to back to back games. The one thing that I found, though, or the, the scheduling on this, has been a little odd. And um, I thought the midweek games were actually for the most part quite exceptional. There was a lot of good football played. But I did find though, and you know we get to talk about a couple of those matches um today that it seemed a little flat on the weekend, and it almost makes you wonder if you if the DFL maybe should have been better about scheduling this final um, the final three match days instead of putting them in an, in ten day space just before Christmas when a lot of players are kind of switching off in Germany. remember we we take four weeks off. Um and there is something called a Christmas mode. G- Germany gets is extremely quiet over Christmas. Um it's in a lot of parts it, it's a very, very serious holiday, right? Um people don't do anything, shops are completely closed. It's not like in the UK where it's very, very carnivalesque. And I think that a lot of players are quite affected by this. And I, I thought while the midweek games were very exciting, I thought the, the Saturday games were kind of flat. You know, both the Friday game that I watched um, and the, the Bayern game seemed very, very flat. And I almost wonder if maybe the DFL could have done a little bit better scheduling this. I know they had to put it somewhere, but to put in three games just before the Christmas break probably wasn't the
2: best for the viewing experience. No, quite possibly not. Um, I, I mean, what's your opinion, uh, Chris? Uh, do, do you think that, you know, uh, this is. Uh, one of the reasons that you know it keeps the uh, the quality maybe good in the bundesliga or you know it, it's obviously very different from the uh, the premier league that you also uh, focus uh, and spend a lot of time on what differences do you find it makes with the bundesliga that it, it's a bit of a rare occasion that they would have this sort of um, midweek games
3: I think the the problem comes is I have got no problem with midweek games by the way. Um I mean we're in December at the moment which is obviously said to covered the Premier League as well. It's the busiest time of year. There's um there's a game every day for 15 games uh, for 15 days in December. Uh, teams are playing thick and fast. Uh, the quality of football isn't really um affected, but that's because teams are used to it in in England in the Premier League. They're used to playing, you know, Saturday, Wednesday um, Sunday, Tuesday, throughout the season, um, and, and sometimes even you know midweek, Monday, Monday, Friday, on very, very rare occasions. Um, so i i i don't have a problem with it. Um, I think Germany is not used to it. The players certainly aren't used to it. You know, we always talk about how sides like let's say Freiburg or Hoffenheim or Leipzig initially when they got into Europe, how will they cope with that extra game in the midweek because they're not used to it. Um, and, and German sides aren't used to it. So, yeah, I can see where Manu has said it's, it's a little flat and the football was a little fat, uh, flat. I don't know how much that is um, incumbent on the Christmas break. Um, we saw this last season where the, the games midweek and Saturday were exciting. Um, I think it's been at the end of a hard year for, for all the clubs in the Bundesliga. Um, some of them have had ups and downs. Um, and maybe they get into that holiday mode. But, um, you know, if the... I suppose the cynic in me would say they paid a lot of money to kick a ball around and compared to the rest of us, and I don't mean me. I mean, like, to people who actually work for a living, so doctors, nurses, people who work in shops, you know, six, seven days a week. They have got an easy life. So, um, yeah, I think maybe Christmas is the wrong time to have this, but, yeah, to ask a team to play a game in a midweek shouldn't be really an, an onerous task for them.
1: You know what I think it is, too? And you touched some, on something really interesting there, Chris. A lot of teams had a hard year. When you when you really look. And I, I spoke to Joshua Kimmich after the game about this um, on Saturday. The, the Bayern game against Wolfsburg. And I think that Bayern... I mean, you looked at their bench. They, they only had amateur players on that bench. Because I think they have eight um, players that are currently out with injuries. And I think... You know, they also had a very strenuous relationship with the head coach. Um, Obviously, then the injury crisis and being in a rebuild. And I think maybe that has something to do with it as well. And Bayern are one of many sides that affected kind of in a transition period. Half the league seems to be in a transition period. and Maybe that puts a lot of strain on it. Um Kimmich said that he's really looking forward to the break. And maybe it's also just a mental thing.
3: Yeah, I think that's right. Bayern obviously had. Um, I mean, we can't say they had a terrible 2019 because you know back in May um, they won both cups on offer in, in the country. But by their own um, traditional means, they had a poor or, or a testing season. Borussia Dortmund had an exceptionally testing 2019. This time last year, they were top of the league, um, points ahead. Ended up not winning maybe didn't go as far in Europe themselves, Schalke, ups and downs, Leverkusen, ups and downs. If you look at those top seven sides at the moment, um, all of them um, have gone through some sort of transitional period in 2019. And also the, the teams below them as well. Um, so yeah, I think it's probably the end of a difficult year for a lot of teams. And hopefully, you know, they, they'll, they'll all bounce back in 2020 and we can have this um, close league. I mean, we're still... What was still 10 points between 1st and 7th? That's fantastic at this particular time of the season.
2: Well, speaking about uh, Joshua Kimmich, Manu, I feel that we have to touch on a new teammate that he's going to have um, come this summer in Alexander Neubel. The goalkeeper for Schalke, the 23-year-old, will be making a move um, to the uh, Bundesliga champions. Obviously, whether they'll be champions then or not, we'll have to wait and see. But this is a big move. There's been talk about where he may end up. And it, it seems like uh, Munich is the destination. Uh, Manu, how do you feel about this? I mean, it it doesn't seem like it's really coming as much of a surprise. But uh, maybe the timing could be, I don't know, a little bit different. It it feels like, you know, um, it's not exactly like there's a, um, a hole in that uh, position for Bayern Munich, is there?
1: I think that Bayern are getting a fantastic young keeper. Um, probably the best, um, one of the best youth talents in goal uh, in Europe. In Alexander Neuvel. he's 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 a he's a brilliant player, a brilliant keeper. Um, the I think that the club is right of going and signing him now. And securing him, uh, Chris has spoken in great lengths about the successorship of Manuel Neuer, and this this is an area that they have to put in some work and ensure that not the same thing happened then with I and Robin and Frank Ribery, and will eventually happen with Robert Lewandowski. Right, that they um, will not have a successor in place. I think with Alexander Nubel, they have a successor in place now. So I think the club did everything right, and uh, the the one thing that raised some eyebrows in Germany and has been hotly debated, is being heard currently hotly debated. You look at any social media, uh, Nübel has been trending all day on Twitter, for example, right? Um, is the fact that he is basically deciding to leave his number one position at Schalke to sit on the bench at Bayern, because Manuel Neuer is going to renew his contract until 2023. That's three years from now, right? And um, anyone who knows Manuel Neuer, anyone who is particularly seen playing Manuel Neuer play this year, because he had a big bounce back here. He's been, by and large, excellent, right? Um Being heavily under pressure, put under pressure by um his competitor, Marc-Andre Ter Stegen. He, he's someone who wants to play every single game. And the Bayern board has basically told Alexander Nübel that if he joins Bayern, he will be slowly built up as the successor on Manuel Neuer will... Agree to give him playing time. Now, the problem is that there has a report has been leaked that Manuel Neuer is not happy about this at all. He doesn't want to give any playing time to anyone because he wants to play every game. So, I don't know how Bayern are going to solve this particular problem. I, I think Chelsea, they, when they had. Um, remind me again of the Belgium keeper that now plays for Real Madrid. soir. Thank you. They loaned him out to, Real, to Atletico Madrid, right? For two years, I believe, uh, and parked him there basically to build him up as a successor for Peter Cech and then eventually brought him back and then he replaced Peter Cech. I, I think that is for me the only pathway for this to work. Um, they will have to loan out Alexander Nubel because a keeper needs to play every single game at this age. Um, you know, the, the, the interesting thing is to Schalke and Marco Schubert. They have the number two goalkeeper of the U21 national team already in their squad, probably anticipating that this could happen. And um, Nubel could now lose his position until the end of the year to Marco Schubert, who was actually very good um, on the weekend. Replacing Nübel because Nübel was sent off with that red card, horrendous foul, and is banned for four games. So Nübel has been is going to be stripped of his captaincy, um, according to some reports, and could lose his number one position until the end of the year because of this decision he made. Because Schalke are going to say, well, why should we develop a player for another club, right? If we have another very, very talented goalkeeper who's already a youth national team player himself already in our squad. We're just going to play him and develop him until the end of the year, until Ralf Fehrmann comes back from Norwich, and then the two of them can figure it out. It's an odd timing, an odd decision. Um, I understand why Nubel wants to take the risk. You know, you don't always get a chance to join Bayern. Um, Sometimes snubbing Bayern means you will never get a second chance. But I, I think they will have to come up with some creative solution for this, because i mean chris helped me out on this i i can't think of any talent that has developed sitting on the bench
3: certainly not goalkeeper wise um yeah it seems a, a strange one um i know this is a very regular thing in germany so rather than um so if you if you if you're, if you're a fan of the Premier League, you'll know constantly that players go out of contract at the end of the season and they say nothing. One German player that famously did, it was Emre Schahn went all the way to the end of his time with Liverpool, play a Champions League final, then announced he'd go to Juventus. So in Germany, things have done a little bit different. And I think it cuts down on that speculation. But um, for this one, it's a strange one because you're quite right. Um, you know, Schalke have a number of keepers, um, especially Schubert, who can who can play in that number one role already. Um, David Wagner is certainly a player that likes to look at the future. Um, I was over with Jochen Schneider and the guys over in the supervisory board only a few months ago. They're all about looking forward and not just this season, but they're planning for the next two to three seasons. So why would you want to include a player um, that is going to walk away on a free? Um, You know, He's been developed by Schalke. Schalke have invested a lot of energy in him since he um, made his way over from Paderborn um a few years back, he's been given all the luxuries that come with um that development and he's gonna walk out and, and they're not gonna receive a penny. Um and he's gonna go and sit on a bench, which I think is um it's it's a strange decision. Obviously it's selfish and, and you know, you can say there's no loyalty in football, but that works both ways. A club will soon sell you if you're not good enough. So I, I can understand maybe why there is no loyalty to maybe sign a contract, and if he's going to move, at least ensure that Schalke gets some sort of recompense for for all the things and all the time they developed him on. But but he's not. He's he's going to go over there, and um Bayern have have also you know got um Christian um, Frutrell as well, who can can play there. He's a nineteen year old goalkeeper. What's going to happen to him? Obviously they got Sven Ulreich, and he hardly gets any games, and and he's been. He's been an outstanding keeper at times when he's had to fill in for Neuer. And and Manu's quite right. Manuel Neuer is going anywhere. So why would um, Alexander Nubel want to turn down his captaincy, his first team choice to go and sit on a bench um, when he's not playing? And and yeah, Manu is very right. He will have to play. So where does he go on loan? And is anyone going to want to really take him on loan and just develop him from buying in the Bundesliga Maybe not, maybe not one of the top 10 sides. So he'd be looking at going to a team further down the league. Does does he want to go from Schalke where he's at to on loan at Hertha or on loan at Mainz or on loan at Wolfsburg? Is is that his is past? Does he see that for two years? Or does he want to go and maybe go on loan to an English Premier League side or a, a Spanish Liga side or maybe even an Italian side? But he's not going to be at a club um, that's going to be operating higher than where he is currently Schalke. So I find it, uh, I find it an odd one for a keeper um, to turn all that down and and go. And obviously it opens up a load of old wounds, Manu, because um, Manuel Neuer made the same move. Yeah, but Neuer
1: cost 30 million euros at the time.
3: Yeah, yeah. So obviously there's that, but there was still those wounds opened up where he left. um, And and I can see Nubel's going to reopen them wounds because he's going to walk out on a free.
1: And he had a contract offer from Schalke that included an exit clause. So I I don't understand why didn't he just sign a contract. Schalke go, I'm going to lean out of the window now and, sh- and say Schalke are going to play in Europe next year. Right? Um he would have had plenty of time to develop there and play in European football and he's quite right. There's not going to be that many clean teams that are going to be willing to, to say okay, well we're going to loan him for 2 years and then basically give him back to Bayern. That's that's a very tricky thing. So are Bayern going to be powerful enough to tell the captain of the current club? Because just just a reminder, Manuel Neuer is the captain of Bayern Munich at the moment. Are they going to be able to tell him basically, look, every tenth game or every fifth game, you're going to sit on the bench? I find that very hard to believe.
2: Do you think that uh, may maybe thinking, uh, Manu, you know, that you know Neuer obviously has been troubled with injuries in the past. He's thinking, I'm going to get my opportunities there. That's a big gamble. Um, yeah, you, you're
1: right. He's uh, broken his fifth metatarsal, right? That's an injury that can come back, and it's a, it, it is um, at the stage of Manuel Neuer is is a career-ending injury. And I think if you keep that in mind, I understand. You know, I I personally think that Bayern actually, and um, we, Chris and I discussed this on this podcast. Actually, I think Bayern did the the right thing in bringing in a successor now because. he you know, um, as you said, Neuer is potentially one injury away from from a career-ending injury. Um, but at the same time, I think for the player, it's a big risk, um, and that is that is something that you know you have to keep in mind um, always. It, it could be a gamble that could play off. You're absolutely right. Um, all that needs to happen is one misstep. Um, you know, one one. Action football can be very quick and then he's in goal and he can play 10, 15 games. But um, it is pretty risky to bank on that because especially when you see Neuer play this year, um, he doesn't look like a keeper that's going to retire anytime soon.
2: No, I, I think we all have to agree with that, don't we? That this is possibly the best we've seen Neuer look in recent times. He's he's had a run of games and he and he looks all good for it. Uh, Yeah, we're going to have to to see if he can stay fit. If he can, it's going to be very unlikely that anyone's going to move him out of that position. But let's talk about uh, Bayern then. Um, Obviously, we've got two games to reflect on. Um, Midweek, we've seen them Come back from, uh, well, a drawing position with Freiburg. They went 1-0 up, then 1-1, but then uh, got there in the end, uh, 3-1. Then at the weekend, again, we've seen uh, two late goals against Wolfsburg for them to win and pick up six points out of a possible six. Though, Chris, uh, the the star of the show for both games uh, was an unexpected name and a name you wouldn't really um, have... Pulled out when you looked at the uh, not just the uh, first eleven, but the the squads uh, to get the important goals for them.
3: Yeah, that's quite right, Uh, Joshua Zerke. Um, I think we've all said that Bayern need to bring through some youthful players at some point. Well, um, it looks like they're doing that now. Um, yeah, you know, obviously grabbed a um, grabbed a goal midweek against um, Wolfsburg, and yeah, playing very very well. Um, he's come up from the second side. Obviously, he's been given his chance um, for the reason that he's shown on the pitch. Um, But this, for me, Bryce, is the start of Bayern looking a little bit better because uh, for them to go behind, um, sorry, for them to to draw and then come back from that position um, and do it emphatically and then go and win the next game with two late goals, this is the sort of thing that champions do, they find a way to win and, and that's what Bayern have done over the last few weeks. You know, they're they're sitting third, at uh, thirty-three points, Leipzig are on thirty-seven, they've clawed that gap back to Gladbach. They just now need to claw the gap um back to Leipzig. And who says they won't do that within the first month and be sitting top of the Bundesliga as we go into February. And you know, both Manu and I have said before that mid February, um start of March is is when champions kick into gear. So it's a frightening time um for the rest of the league because what looked like a um what looked like a spent bolt um a few months back now looks like a team that are coming back into contention powered by some um new names who who were gonna obviously be there to power them for the rest of the season
1: yeah i did a i did my i my i did my article my final one for Forbes this month on Joshua Sirkse. um it's a godsend for a journalist who is watching a very boring game, not knowing what to cover about this game, when the protagonist, an eighteen year old striker, for the second game in a row, in a span of four days, scores the game winner. Um you know, he rescued my 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 day and my work day. So thank you, Joshua it But uh jokes aside, it's it was really quite remarkable how this kit came on. And with his first touch, scored the winner against Freiburg. And then moments later, Gnabry made a 3-1, right? And then uh, I had my match report pretty much ready, Chris. I, I know you've been there many times as well Um, because this game had a draw written all over it. And then Joshua Sixer came on. And I said jokingly to um my co- Korean colleague who was sitting next to me that, you know, watch it. He's going to come on and he's going to score the winner. And four minutes later, with his first touch... He scored the winner again. And I mean, he's a very highly rated 18 year old striker, um, who they got a few years ago from Fair Rotterdam. He played before that at Arden Den Haag and he was, he was very prolific at the youth academy. Um, he was not, did not have a good year at their Liga 3 side, their third division side, Bayern 2, the Bayern Amateur. But uh, to come on and score essentially two goals in seven minutes of play is is a fantastic story. It's a a Christmas miracle in many ways. And uh, I I think he is a name and a player that we have to keep an eye on because Bayern haven't really brought anyone up from the academy in a long time. And obviously, he's very talented. I tried to speak to him after the game. Bayern really protects the young players. So he wasn't allowed to really speak on record but um he obviously said it's like a dream come true you know as he was going through the mixed zone uh, Hansi Flick said um he has to keep working hard and he has he has to show the best but um I tell you Chris he definitely made my day because I had no idea what to write about this game because it was the most boring game I've Bayern game I've seen all year until the last 5 minutes when he came on and turned it around scoring a great goal and I, I I think you know being in that situation um, yeah, made my evening much easier.
3: I think it's telling for Bayern as well because we've been asking for a while. I don't want to put too much pressure on his shoulders, but who's going to replace um, Robert Lewandowski eventually? I think they're going to need a player with a lot more experience to come in as a stopgap. But this this guy looks like he could certainly do that from, from initial outings. But I know teenagers go through you know, dips in forms and there'll be time maybe he'll come on and he'll have an absolute stinker and you won't see him for a few months and he'll come back. And he'll have another great game and, and that is unfortunately just the way that youth develop. And that's why the Bundesliga is exceptional for youth development, because they understand that. It's not like Spanish League or the English League, where you know you, you cut a you, you cut a shore as soon as you mess up. Um but it's it's something that Bayern were missing last season. Um, it's something that Bayern were missing maybe earlier on this season. Um, the ability for someone to come off that bench and change a game for the better. Um and yeah, I think it shows the club is in a, in a different direction now under Hansi Flick, who's obviously going to be there for the rest of the season um, as they look to, to make a, a big change potentially in the summer. Um, but all the ingredients that were missing from the Bayern cake um, now look to be cooking quite nicely.
0: Hi, this is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jenikin, And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC+, where every day feels like Christmas morning. It's the holiday season, and that means it's time to see old friends like Buddy the Elf, Heat Miser, and Clark Griswold. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. They're all here on AMC+. So celebrate the best Christmas ever, anytime, anywhere. AMC+, is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right?
1: Yeah, Flick is doing an exceptional job there, you know. And one of the things that Kovac was criticised for was not developing players from the academy. Alfonso Davies—he's been—he's played 11 games in the role for 90 minutes now. Has developed exceptionally. Is the left back position his best role? No, not really. But has he developed? Has he seen? a big step in his development playing in that role? Yeah, absolutely. He's been one of the best players in the Bundesliga playing as a left back. I'm not the best, but definitely one of the best. And um, you see that with a lot of other players that are getting now more opportunities. The one thing about Zirkze, I, I want to add this, um, I stood next to him, Chris, and he is taller than me. He's a big guy, but very, very athletic. And I remember Julian Nagelsmann, when he said about Joe Linton, there's some things you can't teach players. That is obviously the build, right? And then you can work on all the rest. He he reminds me of that. Um, he's definitely, you know, he's built like a Haaland or Yusuf Polson kind of player. He, he has a lot. There's a lot there that you can work with. And I think if you have that already, playing at a club that now on the Hansi Flick is looking to develop some young players... I, I think it's really exciting for Bayern fans because they spent a lot of money on that youth academy. I did a visit to that youth academy. They spent 70 million euros uh, to build the academy and they, they're they paying about 20 million euros a year to finance the youth academy. So they want to see some products make the step up to to the first team. And for that, you need a coach who's willing to do it. And at the moment, Hansi Flick seems to be that guy.
2: Yeah, some uh, interesting uh... Uh, information, I suppose, on Joshua uh, um it, Opta have said that he's the quickest player to score uh, two goals uh, in the Bundesliga ever. Uh, so yeah, that, that's definitely bodes well when it comes to them finding a replacement. As uh, Chris uh, said, you know about Lewandowski, but uh, he might just need a little bit of time. And he is six foot four, Manu or a, or one meter ninety three. That's so a lie. A big... He's taller than that. Is it? Yeah, because I'm six. Mm-hmm. I'm almost six five. He's is...
1: He's a tall guy, man. They must have done really? that measurement when he was still 17.
2: <laughs> you could be right. This could be an old bit of information if he's if he's taller than, than you then. But um, yeah, it, it wasn't all good news, was it, for uh, Bayern? I mean, obviously the points were great. It, it was great to have your youngster come off the bench like this. But uh, an, an unfortunate injury to uh, Javi Martinez. Um, Manu, how, how bad does this look? Um, club said six to eight weeks. It's a,
1: it's a muscle injury. Um, is so a complex muscle injury that takes time. It's yes, it's the winter break, but the winter break is only four weeks. So they're going to miss him for the four weeks after. Um, Joshua Kimmich doesn't want to play in defense anymore. Niklas Süle is still some way out. Lucas Hernandez is still some way out and Jerome Boateng wants to leave the club. Salihamidzic said that they're not going to sign any new players which i guess means that they're going to take some academy players like uh, Lucas Mai for example or the U- US American defender who was really highly rated Chris Richards to to Qatar to the very highly criticized training camp in the in the desert and um guess and see work with them although i i don't think i would rule completely out that they're going to do something in, in the winter i mean Salihamidzic's word at the Allianz Arena where that Winter transfers are always very difficult, um, but when I look at the defender situation and um, when I look at the draw in the Champions League against Chelsea, we have a very youthful attack. I, I think it's it's a favorable draw for Bayern, but it's also a dangerous draw for Bayern. And I think they need to have a fit defense by by um, you know by the time that game comes around in February. So I I wouldn't be too surprised if they do something with this. Um, another piece of injury update. Robert Lewandowski, he went straight through the mixed zone with um, Müller-Wohlfahrt, the team doctor, who Dennis drove him straight to the hospital. And he was operated right after the game on his groin. And he is expected to be out for 10 days, so he'll be fit just in time for the training camp. So that was an information that was given to us um, in the Allianz Arena last night. But yeah, it's, it's worrying. I mean, all over the, th- throughout the board, they had a lot of injuries this year. And I, I saw one tweet t- say, to me, oh, they must be doing something wrong training wise because they have so many muscle injuries. But really only, the only muscle injury is Javi Martinez. And even that, a complex muscle injury is not training induced, right? Um, ACL for, for Sule, that is not training induced, that is an accident. Hernandez, also, um, a complex, uh, ligament injury. And um, you know, Lewandowski de Groin, koman was also impact injury. That those are not training related injuries, that's just bad luck. And I, I think there there is not much you can do about that as a club. It's just it happens to every team every once in a while.
2: Yeah, absolutely. In- incredible Uh, bad luck but it seems like a a lot of the clubs are going to be quite enjoying um, a little bit of a respite Um, and I think one side that that will be will be Borussia Dortmund. Chris um, the the two games that we talked about for Bayern they managed to pick up six points out of six didn't quite go that way for Dortmund as they managed to drop four points Um, they played RB Leipzig on Tuesday night and were comfortably up 2-0 at half time Uh, RB then were handed a few goals, it's got to be said, and the game ended 3-3. Then on Friday nights they, they couldn't get the job done against Hoffenheim either. Um, they're a side that we'll be looking forward to a, a few weeks off.
3: Yeah, most definitely. Um, it's it's a strange one for Dortmund because um, the game against Leipzig, they were error Um obviously allowed Leipzig back in. I mean, how many times have we seen that before? Um, I was Last season there to see them do it again Head to Berlin. Um, you know, they've done it plenty of other times they did it against Hoffenheim last season when they were comfortably ahead, um, you know, through through a result a positive result away. Um and then we have it again on um we have it again, you know, against Leipzig and then the game against Hoffenheim was I mean Manu and I were chatting as this game was going on and if Dortmund were 1-0 ahead, they should have been 4-5, maybe even 6 ahead at one point. They just couldn't get the ball in the back of the net. And I said to Manu, this had 1-1 written all over it. And then lo and behold, you know, that equalising goal's come in. Um And Dortmund seems to be, and I know Royce has said there's nothing wrong with their mentality, um, but they seem to be exceptionally nervous when they leak a goal like that. Saw it against Leipzig and then saw it now against Hoffenheim where Hoffenheim went out and, and got a winner that they deserved in the end. Um so it's been it's been a problem for them. Um, I did a I did a review on Borussia Dortmund's transfer window. Some analysis on them from from this calendar year, which obviously included the the winter window from last season, um, as January two thousand and nineteen. Pulisic signed for Chelsea, um, which was a wonderful deal for them. By the way, they received a lot of money for that um, at the time. Um, you know, seventy well, nearly seventy one million dollars, sixty four million euros. Um and and Pulisic stayed. He didn't really play the rest of that season. Um and everybody thought they've got the best out of him. Unfortunately for Dortmund, he, he's gone to Chelsea and he's really settled into what we saw two three seasons ago. Um when he was under Thomas Tuchel at Dortmund. So they've lost a the player there. And and with that money, they brought in three who I've got them down as being way under par. To be honest, Bryce. That you know they brought in. Um, they brought in a great play, the great attacking players of Thorgan Hazard and Julian Brandt who have struggled to hit the same highs that they did with their previous clubs, Gladbach and Leverkusen. I'd say Mats Hummels is the only player who's come in um, and really shown what he was about. But for the article I did for Forbes, I put in that he wasn't expected um, to carry those around him. He was expected to, to be that missing link that helped Dortmund stop leaking goals. And at the moment... He seems to be their only player who can do that. Nico Schultz came in for a lot of money. He's been in and out with rotation and a little bit of injury. And then if you look at the other end, Paco Alcacer, um, I spoke on a on a pod the other week, uh, sorry, a pod last week, uh, an English pod about Haaland potentially going to Manchester United. You know, Dortmund need a striker now. Alcacer's got, whilst he scored um, a, a wonderful five goals in the first four games of the season... He's either. I mean, Manu said he's made a glass. I said he's made a Weetabix. He doesn't seem to be ready for that, um, for the physicality that the the Bundesliga carries. So not only they've got problems at the back, they've got problems up front as well. Um, and yeah, it's it's been a poor overall year for Dortmund. And I think they're one particular club that can't wait to see the back of two thousand and nineteen and twenty twenty. They need a lot of things. They need. Lucien Favre needs to be able to to lift his players and to stop this rot. Because when it's going good for them, it's exceptional. But when they're they're challenged, he doesn't seem the right coach for me. That instills a lot. I mean, I, I hate to harp on about Liverpool, but look at Jurgen Klopp at the moment. If his side are down or they're not doing particularly well. He's very animated. He makes a tactical change. He'll bring a player over for when there's a corner or a throwing going on. He'll give them specific tactical instructions. And that team are finding a way not only to come back from results, but to win trophies at the moment. And that's something that Dortmund don't look like doing. So Favre needs to be able to address his tactical inabilities in the middle of a game. And the players they brought in need to really step up. And that is Schultz. Um, That is Brandt. It's Hazard. Um, and also, and I was chatting to Manu about this other day, um, they signed um, Leonardo um, Ballerdi from from Boca, who was wanted by Roma. He was wanted by Barcelona. Can't get a game for love nor money, but he can for Argentina. What's going on there? Um, yeah, 2019, I think Dortmund will write that off as quickly as they can.
1: Yeah, I think Dortmund desperately need Erling Haaland. And I, I think, you know, the Bundesliga looks like the likely destination for him. But I I think they're desperate to to get a player like him. And um, I love losing Favre the bits. I actually think, he, he I still think he's a wonderful coach. I, I love his idea of football. I know it might not be a perfect fit for, for Dortmund. And I know that he didn't... Um, Make many friends by calling his players essentially stupid um, t- in post game against ZDF. Although I think he was actually right and maybe the emotional outburst was needed. But Chris, um, maybe Haaland isn't the only signing they need from Salzburg. I look at someone like Jesse Marsh, you know, who's, who's done wonderful work in Salzburg and is, is such an endearing personality. I think they should just try to get him as well. I know this is a very controversial statement. It's not up to me to sign any coaches, but if I had a pick, I think it'd be fantastic.
3: Yeah, I think we've talked about this before. Is Dortmund are a, a phenomenal club, and they've got a lot of aspects around them, and I think their head coach needs to have the same sort of um, the same sort of, of of I'm struggling for the word the same sort of of, of policies, the same sorts of thoughts. Um, that not only the fans have, but the City has. A, it's a very go-getter. It's, you know, it's a very industrial, it's hard-working, not saying that losing father isn't hard-working, but he doesn't, he doesn't really fill me with a lot of confidence. He's not the sort of guy that I'd want to run up through a brick wall for. And Dortmund's success over the last 10 years has been built on coaches like that. You know, Jürgen Klopp, who was the world's best coach, um, really brought Borussia Dortmund back on the map then handed it to Thomas Tuchel, who is another live wire character. Okay, he didn't get on with um, Vasco and Zork, but he was still a good character. Got them challenging um, for titles, got them challenging Bayern. You know, I was in that game where they knocked them out in the Pokal in the Allianz, and then I was in Berlin when they went and won that trophy. Um, they just seem to be missing that leader and, and someone who can really galvanise on that pitch, and, and you're quite right. And, Jesse Marsh has that. Um, I think everybody's seen the video um, at halftime at Anfield where he was animated. Okay, I know they're they're either doing a a Netflix or an Amazon Prime documentary. So did he play up for the cameras a little bit? Not 100% sure. But that is his personality. And I think they need a coach of that ilk on the sideline. And whilst Lucien Favre is a good coach, he's a very quiet tactician. Um, And when things aren't going particularly well, I'm not saying he doesn't know what to do, but he has that outward appearance where he's in deep thought, which can come across as, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and and I don't think that helps at all. And yeah, he's thrown his players under the bus um, on television. I don't think that helps either. Um, yeah, I think it could be a big winter break because, yes, they need a striker. But at the moment, whilst Haaland will get those goals for them that were missing against Hoffenheim, I still think those goals are conceded. Those two are conceded against Offenheim. So, are they going to want to be playing a nervous three-two for the rest of the season in every game with a possibility? I think they need someone like Jesse Marsh to come in, galvanise the club, sort out the back. You know, tell people what they need to hear, um, and take the club forward. Um, I would say that if Lucien Favre isn't um, isn't relieved of his duty over the winter break, I would I would. I would hang my mortgage payment on it that they go their separate ways in the summer because at the moment um, Dortmund, whilst they may look okay in the table, um, you know seven points behind Leipzig isn't really where they want to be. Um, they're three points now behind Bayern when they, you know, Bayern have turned over another negative um, result on Dortmund. They're way off the pace and Schalke are breathing down them. Bayer Leverkusen, you've had a roller coaster of a season, are two points off them. Hoffenheim who, you know, themselves haven't had a good season, are still there in seventh, only um, three points behind them. So if results had gone the wrong way for them this weekend, um, they could have found themselves in sixth, which is not where a a team who should be challenging for the title should be.
1: Yeah, I think the best news about this weekend is for Dortmund that it's only seven points to to first place. Um, I think the bad news for this weekend is that first place is Leipzig. Yeah, I, I stole your transition, Bryce. <laughs> no, I think it's quite right. Yeah, well, we def- and, and
3: what we said before is um, Dortmund, if you want to win the league, I, I genuinely think you have to take four points off your rivals. So if Dortmund have any aspects of winning the league now, they've got to win um, in, the, in the Red Bull Arena in Leipzig. Um, come the real back end of the season. Are they going to do that if Leipzig are storming towards a title? No, they probably won't. So this was a massive game for them. I've seen time and time again titles come down to, to this sort of, of game and Leipzig have taken a point there off Dortmund um, and they'll be really happy because the way they're playing and the way Nagelsmann's got them going, they'll easily take four points off them over a season which will see them win a title ahead of Dortmund.
1: Yeah, and, and look at look at the way they... they... They were the only side that didn't really seem to struggle with this in, uh, this midweek game. The way they came from behind to beat Augsburg pretty convincingly, and Augsburg have had played a really good, you know, second half of the of the Hinrunde. And uh, when they went up one a lot of people in the Allianz Arena were sort of hoping, oh, maybe Augsburg is going to take points of them. And the moment it was 1-1, it, you know, the Bayern fans were like, oh. Because they know that their competitor is going to be Leipzig for the rest of the season. That's going to be their biggest competitor. And, you know, the moment it went was 1-1, they knew that Leipzig are going to win that game. That's how much respect people have from them right now. Because, look, Tyler Adams just came back in this game, that which means they have another option. Um, they're still in the hunt to sign Erling Haaland. I would not be surprised if he ends up there. Uh, where, where Nagelsmann is going to put him is a completely different question because Timo Werner is, what, on 18 goals now in 17 games? Uh, Schick has scored in the last four games in a row. Then they still have Yusuf Posen on the bench. Um, their midfield is is rich in talent. Uh, Hannes Wolf is coming back from injury as well. It's um, quite remarkable. He's thrown Erling Haaland into that mix. I think... Um, I saw a lot of Tottenham fans very excited, thinking that they got the easiest draw out of the Champions League um, of all the Champions League first place teams. I I don't know if they have watched Leipzig play this year, um, to be quite frank. I think of any Bundesliga side you could get right now, and if you talk to any reporter or any journalist or any pundit that's covering the league, we are all in agreement Leipzig is the team to beat this year. And, um, you know, you're quite right. Chris, I mean, the point for Leipzig and the way they got that point in Dortmund, being down two goals, going again down by a goal when Sancho scored and then coming again back because that shit goal, although the first two were gifted to them more or less, but although Timo Werner still has to score them, right? That shit goal was poor will. And um, that's the sort of goals that Bayern would have scored late in title races in the past against Dortmund. Now it's Leipzig doing it and, you know, this is a side that could possibly over the winter still improve and hasn't only worked with Nagelsmann for six months. I, I think, I, I I lean myself out the window again here, but I think the title will be decided over Leipzig.
2: Yeah, man, I feel you're right. I, th- I think based on what we've seen so far in the season, um, I think there's no chance Dortmund will win this league absolutely no chance I have no faith in them whatsoever and and I think if you look at Leipzig I think there's a side that have done what Dortmund should be doing you know they've they've brought players through that look fantastic they've got a fantastic head coach in Nagelsmann I, I think it's it's them that's seizing the opportunity and over the last few years Dortmund there there was opportunity to win this league because Bayern have not been as good as what they have been in the past and they just have not taken the opportunities at all I think they've been their own worst enemies Uh, Chris do you agree that it's looking pretty good for RB Leipzig this year I mean as you said that point you know away in Dortmund you know was, was fantastic for them if they did get a little bit of help by the team that they were playing against but you, then they play Osburg, not a problem. They move on. The, the Champions League so far hasn't been much of an issue for them either. It's it's all looking so rosy for for Leipzig, and I I, I feel that the likes of maybe Gladbach or Munich, you know, they're going to be chasing them. They're going to be the ones with the target on their back, and everyone's going to be trying to keep up with them.
3: Uh, yeah, they're playing exceptionally well. Um, I I wouldn't like to say the. Glad back bubble has burst, but I feel it's 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 a balloon that's slowly going down. Um the way they lost that game that Manu and I were at um only a week ago of um against um Turkish side from Istanbul. Um the way they lost that, then okay. They bounced back against um Paderborn. Not not the hardest of opponents really. Um but then they've gone away this weekend and, and drawn at um Hedde Berlin, who were playing a lot better under Jürgen Klinsmann or under Jürgen Klinsmann's stewardship. um, I I think at some point their luck was going to run out. And I I mean, Gladbach's a great place and I love going there, but I would expect them to fall off rapidly now, somewhat in the same way they did last season at this same particular time when they were beaten by Dortmund and, and fell off for the rest of the season. I'd anticipate that to happen again. And then, yeah, you're looking at who's behind that's going to challenge Leipzig. Definitely... Bayern, the way they're playing. And then pick anyone from four behind that, Bryce, because I'm with you. I don't think Dortmund are particularly hot at the moment. I think Schalke um, under David Wagner are still developing. Um, By Leverkusen are so hot and cold under Peter Bosch. I'm not really sure what we're going to get week in, week out. Um, And Hoffenheim, you know, are are the same. Um, They're doing okay one week and not particularly well the next week. So I do think that Bayern's, um, sorry, Leipzig's only genuine um contender for this title is Bayern. Um and, and yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough one for, for them to beat because for all the reasons you just said of why Dortmund haven't won the league in the last two to three seasons are exactly all the reasons why Leipzig could win it because they've got all of those aspects that have been missing.
1: I, I'm gonna say right now guys the championship is going to be mostly decided on match day twenty one when Bayern hosts Leipzig. On Sunday, February ninth, everyone put that in their calendar right now. That's going to be the big one in the Allianz Arena. Leipzig win that game; they're going to win the title. I'm going to say that right now. I know it's it's a huge bet. Um, it could also go the other way, but i I think I think the entire country will be watching that game, and that's only about four match days in into into the Rückrunde, and it's
3: going to be such a decisive game. I think you're quite right, Manu, and and that will back up my theory that if they do that, they'll have taken four points um off of Bayern, and that will is what will win them in the league. Obviously, the draw earlier on at uh, the draw earlier the draw earlier on this season on I think it was um, match day seven or eight, um, match day four. Sorry, it was really early when I was um, when I was at Dortmund, and and, and that draw um uh, that draw will benefit which other side so. If Bayern win, they'll have taken four points, and if Leipzig win, they'll have taken four points. And yeah, for me, that that's that's the crux.
2: Yeah, I think I think Manu may have hit the nail on the head. I I was obviously concerned over the weekend, and messaging you guys saying that you know if RB Leipzig didn't get the job done, if they had a lost, then the the title may be swinging back to uh, Munich, unfortunately. And it did sound pretty negative after only seventeen games, but Bayern just have a way of grinding out, you know, runs and and making it happen. So I I think RB are going to need that cushion on that match day 21. But, guys, we've obviously covered plenty at the moment, but we are up to the halfway point of the season. And I feel it's only right if we talk about who the winners and losers are so far. So we've we've touched a little bit on on the teams that have been doing well. But, Manu, who who would you maybe say... um, the winners for this half of the season is, and is there anyone that maybe we haven't mentioned so far? I actually, you know, the usual candidate would be
1: Freiburg because they always do an exceptional good job. Um, But I do actually want to point out uh, Gladbach um, under Marco Rose, because at times they have played exceptional football. I know the few games before the winter break were tough on them, and I think it's a good learning experience. And I think the the winter break is going to be very good for them. But I think I would put them still as one of my winners. Um, Freiburg, of course, always. And I think Schalke under David Wagner, um, they're doing an exceptional good job. So those would be my three winners for the half-year.
2: Chris, what about yourself? Um, who would you like to pick up as uh, your winners for the first half of the season? Anyone different from Manu?
3: Um, yeah, I've, I've got one different from Manu. Obviously, I'd like to say that Gladbach, although I think maybe their balloons deflating now, they were... Fantastic, and no one expected them to be as high as they were as quickly as they were. And if you're a Gladbach fan, um, that should fill you with confidence because Rose has only been at the club, what, four, five, six months, um, and, and he's making the team play in a certain way. Um, I think they are very unlucky to go out of Europe as well. So that'll be an excellent learning curve for them. Um, I'm Probably going to choose augsburg Bryce, because they were nailed on as... Um, Relegation candidates for me, and I know they're slap bang um, in 10th on 23 points, but I would have expected them to be somewhere where Cologne or Dusseldorf are at the moment, which is um, you know 10 points below that. So, um, yeah, well, well done to them because um, I didn't have them being that high. Um, and Union Berlin, Bryce, it's no surprise to me um, that they are where they are, which is in 11th. Um, a lot of people predicted them to be maybe the Paderborn. Um, but no, I could see having been around that club a couple of times, um, especially earlier on in the in the summer, and then for the first couple of games. That yeah, they're a great side that can that can stay in this league on the basis of their home um, performances, and maybe surprise a few on their away days, which is exactly what they've done true to form so far.
2: Yeah, I think very good shout, um actually uh, by by both of you. And um, it, it, being honest, I think Schalke we probably didn't think we we're going to be up to much this year, and they've done very well under Wagner. And they're, they're looking good for European football, which I, I'm pretty sure I was guilty of saying at the start of the season would be out of their grasp. But um, Hoffenheim, I think, sitting in seventh, going into the winter break, I think they can be pretty happy with themselves as well. I mean, that was a that was a big old pair of shoes to fill when Nagelsmann left in the summer, and I think everyone expected them to really struggle this year. And they've, they've done okay. They've went through patches of... Of per results, but you know, I think they'll be pretty happy with themselves and rightfully so. And Manu, then if you want to pick out some losers, then um, unfortunately we're 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 going to go down that route. But um, some people have not been happy about this uh, first half of the season. Yeah, Werder Bremen. Um, I think
1: the club with Chris and I. I spent we spent this week there, and I, I've, I've interviewed there. CEO and it's such a historic big club in German football and to go into winter break on 17th place um, is a disaster. It's an absolute disaster. It's not befitting um, one of Germany's biggest clubs and I think that they uh, have to slightly blame themselves. They have something called the Bremer Weg I think I've ranted on this on the podcast before, so um, I'm not going to go too deep into this, but the Bremer Weg is basically always trying to find people within the club that know the philosophy. And the latest candidate on the Bremer Weg or the, the Bremen pathway, as they call it, is Florian Kohfeldt, who is a wonderful person. He's a very, very nice guy. Um, very charismatic, but unfortunately, I don't think he is the right coach for the club. Um, I don't think he has a plan B. I think the game that I was at, if you, go, if you lose 5-0 to mines, in fact, if you down 3-0 to mines after 18 minutes because your side didn't know how to defend, I think there's a lot of things going wrong at your club. And I, I think they need to really look hard and long at, at the coaching situation there and find a solution. And I think they're, for me, the biggest loser of of, of this half season.
2: Yeah, I, just, I I can only agree with that. You're looking at the table and you're thinking that, that's not where Werder Bremen, I'm sure, envisioned them being. And uh, the final kick in the teeth probably going into the winter break was that uh, all the sides around them won in uh, Fortuna, Dusseldorf, Cologne and Pattersbourne as well. So um, yeah, a really hard uh, first half of the season uh, for them to uh, accept, I suppose. There may be some changes coming up for them. Uh, Chris, um, any losers or loser that you would like to um, pick out uh, for the first half of the season?
3: I think teams that have have surprised me by their lack of performance. Um, I'm going to have Eintracht Frankfurt down there, thirteenth at the moment. Um, they had a wonderful season last season. Um, you know they could have been the Champions League this season had the penalty shootout gone their way um, in last season's Europa League semi final. I, I do think they would have comprehensively beat Arsenal in that final, and they would, would have been in the Champions League, which would have made this season even worse for them, I think. Um, and they will probably find themselves somewhere three places lower down, 16th or 17th. Um, and for Frankfurt, it's been a strange one. It's their away form that's let them down, Bryce. Nine match, uh, sorry, eight matches away, they picked up three points. That's real un-Frankfurt-like than what we've seen um, the last couple of seasons. Um, you know, not too bad their home form's not too bad. Fifteen points out of um, nine games played. So, yeah, it's um, that's a strange one for them. Um, and then yeah, Werder Bremen as well. I didn't expect them to be down there, um, especially um, after you know the times that they've had. I thought they had a very good season last season. But yeah, for them to be um, in seventeenth, and it's not like Paderborn are cut adrift either. So the other a couple of seasons ago, we saw that. Um, Cologne were rock bottom. Um and but Paderborn are two points behind um Berde Bremen at the moment. That is easily catchable when we come back out of the winter pause. So it's it's not like that they they couldn't see themselves propping up um the table, which would be horrendous for them. Um yeah, I, I think those two teams um for me are maybe not performing as well. I mean, you could say Fortuna Düsseldorf are down there um, as well, but I think we've all discussed that they're a great side, maybe one of the top twenty-five sides in Germany. So for them to be sixteenth isn't too bad, and the same for Paderborn, for them to be bottom after coming up last season, um, I don't think that is is a shame for them, um, and I don't think it, you know it reflects on them badly. I think they've had some p- fantastic performances, but. Yeah, the um, for Werder Bremen and for Frankfurt, I, I think it's been a poor season. And Price are going to lob Dortmund in there as well because on, on paper, um, they had the strongest squad going in, spent quite a lot of money um, going in, although there wasn't much of a net spend because of what they received from Pulisic. But the, the outlay was massive um, and they are well off the pace from where they should be.
2: You know what, Chris, you took that away from me. I was going to mention that with what we predicted, that that would probably be seen as um, a bit of a a bit of a poor uh first half of the season for Dortmund uh and Werner Bremen yeah they're, they're going to be looking to uh, change their fortunes uh when they come up against Fortuna Dusseldorf um when we uh get back to uh playing in the 18th they've lost six of their last seven and they've only scored one goal in their last four so things definitely need to change but guys that does it for the uh first half of the season um Manu, do, does this mean for yourself that you're going to have a bit of downtime now or, or what have you got coming up?
1: Yeah, I have a downtime. Um, I'm going to take a few days off. Um, knowing myself, I'll probably get bored and write something, but uh, there's n- nothing really planned until January 1st when I officially started Transfermarkt. Um, I, I did my final piece for Forbes as well already. There might be some stuff coming out for ICC, but yeah, there's there's nothing really major planned so um, I guess I want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year I think that's that's really the most important thing coming up in this week and I know we have a lot of listeners from England enjoy the games enjoy the Boxing game matches I know they're very important over there and I think um, it's a wonderful way of enjoying the Christmas period
2: so yeah Merry Christmas and Happy New Year for my part. <laughs> and and likewise to yourself, man. Uh, lovely message to send out there, Chris. Um, I, I, as I mentioned, you know, you do cover the English game, so so that means I can only imagine it's going to be a rather busy period for you.
3: Yeah, it is exceptionally busy period. Um, especially um, you know the games on Boxing Day. Really, I'm hoping to to be at Leicester as a fan um, to watch the World Champions um come back to England. Um, Obviously, Liverpool, now the greatest club in the world, officially. Um, So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that on Boxing Day. Um, But, yeah, it's a busy period. Also got a lot of stuff still going on for Forbes, Um, Bryce. So, after just throwing Borussia Dortmund under a bus there, um, I would like to point out that later on this evening, um, I'm I'm releasing a piece on Forbes about their parallel advertising, which is sports business again. Um, If you're interested in technology, um, keep your eye out on that. Um, And then I've got a piece on um, Amazon Prime, who have got the full coverage for Boxing Day's fixtures over-the-top service and very new here in, in England, in the UK, um, OTT services, and not like Germany where they've had zone for a while. Um, so yeah, got a piece covering that. Um, and then, yeah, back to it, there's the games come thick and fast, Bryce, we've got FA Cup games in the start of January, Premier League games. So, um, so yeah, my break will probably come um, later on, but it's all about where I'm going to be on on January on on the 18th. I think it's going to be the 19th. I'm I'm hoping to go to um, Hertha Berlin because I love the city and they happen to be playing Bayern.
2: Yeah, fantastic. What a trip that is to look forward to in the new year. So, yeah, as we've mentioned, we do have a period away now. The games will return on the 17th of January, I have a feeling, well, you might get lucky and we may do a podcast before that uh, depending on what's um, what news is going around and that, but until then um, as Manu put it, you know, have a great Christmas, um, a great holiday period and a happy new year from us on the uh, Gägen present podcast and uh, we'll be back before you know it. I've been your host Bryce Dunn thanks for tuning in Auf Wiedersehen Und frohe Weihnachten
0: Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied Das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht